Like me, glad to be here. Glad that Lord filled your lungs up with air and gave you the mobility to move around to get to where we are today. All right, good. Well, I got a word for the Lord for us this morning. Um, where I'm going to start at. Um, kind of hit me about giving the word because a lot of stuff that was touched upon last week, it's, it's amazing how God worked things out. I've been getting a call to preach uh, three weeks ago. And I was working on a word, and then come to find out last Sunday, the word I was working on matches with or uh, correlates with what the word that was being taught last week. So we're in the right place. All right? But I'm going to go ahead and get into this script. Uh, we're going to be coming from the text. Um, this week is going to be Joshua um, chapter 7. We're going to try to cover verses 1 through 26. And our title for today's message is called From Chastisement to Hope. From chastisement to hope. And we're going to begin at Joshua um, chapter 7, verses 1. Please understand as we go through the scriptures, um, 2 Timothy 3 and 16 said that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instructions in righteousness. So anytime we hear a word, as believers, we got to get it in our mind. We got to make this word become us. We got to put ourselves in the story and try to internalize what's being said so that we can get a greater revelation from a spiritual perspective. All right. So if you just read it as a story, it may touch upon physically, but we want to try to get spiritual understanding. Because the spiritual part is what's going to flow with us. All right. So um, chapter 7, verse 1, and it reads, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zorah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was a kindle against the children of Israel. Let us stop right there for a minute, because I want to give you a spiritual breakdown of what all these names mean. These names has a specific meaning. Because see, when you look at the word Achan, Achan means trouble or sorrow. All right? This is a person that's going through trouble or sorrow. All right? But understand something. Achan was just not a regular person, a non-believer. Achan was a believer. Why? Because they said that Achan was a son of Carmi. The word Carmi means vineyard. The word vineyard means when you go in the word of God and you line it up precept upon precept, the vineyard of the Lord, according to Isaiah 5 and 7, the vineyard of the Lord is the whole house of Israel. All right? So not only was he part of God's vineyard, but also he represented the son of Zabdi. Son of Zabdi. The son of Zabdi is a reference to the gift of God. And um, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 said that the gift of God is salvation. All right? And whoever operating in the gift of God, I and mean, when you're part of the vineyard of God, you have a spirit on your spirit of thanksgiving. You have a spirit of praise. You have a grateful attitude about yourself. You are content with where you are in life, and you are content with where you are as far as the provisions that God has provided you with. All right? So, um, so let's, let's, let's continue real quick. But then I want you to also understand by Akon too. But Akon, or Akin, however you want to pronounce it, excuse my country accent, but Akon spiritually represents a person that has a covetous or a covetous spirit. Mm-hmm. A covetous or a covetous spirit. And when you start operating in that spirit of covetousness, once again, Akon is a believer because he's of the house of Israel. So he, thank you, this is a born-again believer. This could be any one of us in here. Okay, so put yourself into the story. Okay, so a covetous spirit leads to sorrow. That's why his name is called trouble and sorrow. When we can't fulfill the lust of our flesh, when we begin coveting things, we can't fulfill that desire, that lust of our flesh. It sends us to sorrow because we can't get what we want. We like spoiled children. All right. So what happens with us is the congregation will go ahead and turn on the book of James. Chapter one. Verse 14. So anytime you begin to have this covetous spirit, you start looking at the things of the world, trying to obtain it more so than walking in the fulfillment of the provisions God has gave you, then you're walking after your own lust. And let me show you in the Bible what God said can happen to you when you're carried away by your own lust. James chapter 1, verse 14. And it reads, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away after his own lust and enticed 
And then when lust has conceived, conceived here in your mind, because this was the first place where sin starts in your mind, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Mm-hmm. Not all the time means a physical death. Sometimes this death can be spiritual death that causes you to fall out of fellowship with God and other believers in God. All right? Also, so that covetous spirit comes from you not being content with the provisions God has given you. God provided you that home. God provided you that job. God provided you a way, a means of income. He provided you that husband. He provided you that wife. But is your eyes, have you become discontent with what God placed in your life? That you're craving more? That you're craving things that may not be meant for you to have in your life? Um, First Timothy 6 and 6 said, but godliness with contentment. Is great gain. Cacovation is when it all comes when we're not content with the provisions that God has placed in our lives. So let's go on back to um, Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. And because there was contentment in the heart of Achan, it caused him to, to, to do something. And we're going to check it out. The Bible said that the Israel, so not only did he blame Achan or Achan, but he said the children of Israel. That assembly, that congregation, that ministry. All right, listen what they did. They have taken up the accursed thing. So we need to find out what is this accursed thing God's talking about. Flip me with me real quick. Um, just want to lay a foundation first. Um, let's go to Joshua chapter six, verse eighteen. Joshua chapter six, verse eighteen. We're going to look at what this accursed thing and what it means from a spiritual perspective. Cause see. Some things we get in our lives, some things God blesses with, God desires us to have it consecrated unto him when we consecrate ourselves unto him. Consecration to God means that you, you totally surrender everything about you to him. That's what the first step of being a believer or a disciple in Christ. And then you just grow up spiritually from there. But let, let's read. 6 and 18 says, <clears throat> And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest you make yourself a curse. Mm-hmm. When you take up the accursed thing and make the camp, not just yourself, the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver, all the gold, all the vessels of brass, iron, are to be consecrated unto the Lord. That means surrendered unto the Lord. All right, They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So what are these things are? Because he specifically lays certain things that we're not supposed to touch when God began to put us in a place of, of power or a promise. You understand? Certain things we're supposed to consecrate unto him. See, that gold and that silver, that, that's a representation of your, your, your um, earthly wisdom, your earthly knowledge, your intellect. That's supposed to be surrendered unto God. And then you're supposed to take on spiritual knowledge, spiritual understanding, have a spiritual in, um, intelligence through the Holy Spirit once you're sealed by the Holy Ghost. All right, that brass and that iron, what did that make represent? That brass represents your strength. That iron represents your substance that you have. All of that's supposed to be consecrated unto God. Why? Um, Jesus Christ in the New Testament, Yahshua HaMashiach, he spoke, Mark 12 and 30, he gave the first commandment. And he said, Thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, and all thy strength. That's that silver, brass, gold, and iron that we just spoke about. You got to be fully persuaded, fully committed in your walk with the Most High. Everybody understand? All right, let us continue. Let's go on back down to um, Joshua 7 and 2. Now we're going to dig a little further. Now we're going to find out how Israel ended up getting the mindset to go against God. Understand something. In Joshua chapter 6, Israel just accomplished a, a major feat. They just defeated um, Jericho and called that, that walled city to come down. You understand? Huge feat. But they didn't do it on their own. They did it through the grace and the, uh, and the power of God. They saw God's presence. They saw God's power move in their life. They saw what God done for them in the wilderness. How he provided manna for them. How he kept their clothes from wearing out the whole time. All right, they went into a city that had giants in it. All right, and then they was, they was able to conquer them. All right, but they didn't do it on their own strength. 
Let's go to Joshua 7 and 2. And it reads, And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth Haven, <laughs> on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. Let me stop there for a minute. Let me show you what's going on here. First of all, you got Joshua. Joshua means God is salvation in Hebrew. You understand? From Joshua, you get the word Yahushua or Yahusha. All right? And if we study the Bible closely, we'll understand that Jesus is a transliteration of this word God is salvation. That's where we get Yahshua in the New Testament. Y'all with me? All right. So let's see what's going on here. They went to a place called Ai, right? Spiritually, what Ai represents, Ai is the place of your ego inside of man. It's a place of the ego, all right? Your ego. It's a place where your arrogance comes from. Now, everybody know my background. Y'all know I'm a coach and a teacher, right? So I know to be a great athlete and be good in a sport, you got to have a level of confidence, what some people call swagger, all right, about yourself. You know why you're being great. But swagger comes through hard work and knowing what your job is and, and doing it, executing, right? So but this wasn't Israel's problem. They was, in, they was going to fight against a place that's ego that's inside of them, all right? And where the place of ego at, you find all, the, all kind of other spirits. You got arrogance. Not arrogance, but puffed up arrogance, all right? In the place of AI, you also got selfishness. And self-righteousness. Alright? And anytime you're operating in the spirit of selfishness and self-righteousness, it's always going to leave you to an even greater spirit. Vanity. Because didn't it say it, they were beside, that AI was beside Beth Haven? Beth Haven in Hebrew means a place of vanity. So now you got your ego that's operating in selfishness, self-righteousness, and beside it, <laughs> you got Beth Haven. You got vanity. It just continue to build. You see what I'm saying? So vanity makes people think that they can fight in their own power. In chapter 6, we saw Israel didn't have to lift a sword to destroy their enemies. They've done it through the grace and power of God. Some of y'all are sitting underneath this word right now and listening. You're where you at because of the grace and the power of God in your life. It was because of God you was able to break that spirit. That stronghold of addiction in your life. It was because of God that you turned from being a fornicator and a whoremonger. It was because of God you stopped selling those drugs and running those streets. You understand? It was because of God's power operating in your life. It wasn't just you. You understand? You didn't do it in your own strength. Alright? So why are you going to get puffed up and allow vanity to set in? Alright? Because Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And also in Proverbs 29 and 3, it says that a man pride will bring him low. So when you start operating in that flesh, and when you start allowing your ego to get puffed up, and thinking that you're more than what you are, that you take the glory, you take the credit of the glory that God brought in your life by how he delivered you, and you start thinking that you did it in your own might, it does something to a believer. It allows you to start walking in your own might and strength, and you take your eyes off God. Let's go down to um, 73. <coughs> Excuse me. And they returned to Joshua <coughs> and said unto him, <laughs> listen to this carefully. <laughs> let not all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but a few. When I read that, I caught a problem with that. Again, part of my background is coaching. And one thing, I won some games, won some championships, been part of some great teams. But one thing I always preach to my kids, I've been a head coach in three sports. We never underestimate our enemy. I don't care what their record is. I don't care... How poorly they're doing and how successful we are. We treat everybody on that schedule like they the number one team in the in the country or they're the number one team in the state. And if you do that and you work hard and you know your stuff, you'll never face defeat. But that's not what Israel did. Look at what they did. 
they start, they took their enemy lightly, basically they did. First of all, Joshua being the leader, he sent the people out. From verse 2, he sent the people out. They came back to him. The people told him this. And they said, they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up. Did God tell Joshua that? No, he started listening to man. Man's got him. And Dr. Manley preached a powerful message several years ago, and it still resonates in my spirit, is whoever has thine ear holds your destiny or your future. So whoever voice you're listening to, giving you advice and guiding you, they're going to be the ones to help direct your path. You understand? So watch who's speaking into you at all times. All right? So now, they try to go and they try to fight AI because AI was smaller. All right? That's the arrogance of Israel. Israel, you're a small nation. God delivered you. You went up against giants. It was God's power that destroyed this team. So what makes you get puffed up to think AI's nothing or AI's beneath you when you're still a small nation? <laughs> All right? So before I get to that, Proverbs 3 and 5 says, lean not. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. Okay? And in Psalms 118 and 8 says, trust in the Lord. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Joshua, the leader of the camp of Israel, he put confidence in man. He believed their report instead of going before God, praying, seeking his face, asking God for direction. He took their word and he went about fighting their yacht. But there was a flaw in that. There was a flaw in that. Let me show you the flaw. The people said, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men that um, and make not all the people to labor. Uh huh. So not only were they puffed up in pride, not only were they operating in vanity, not only did they allow their egos to swell, but now they became complacent and lazy. They said, let not all go up, people go up to labor, for they are not few. So the whole camp of Israel, God had a divine order how they were supposed to fight in wars. They became complacent after their last victory in life that they decided not to seek God. They're going to stand on their own two feet and try to go fight a small enemy. How many of that happened to us? God delivered us from a situation or a condition. And instead of us trusting him that got us out of that first place of condition, we, 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 we think we can freelance. We can do this thing on our own. We try to walk and step on our own without God helping us. And what does it do? Put us, puts us in a place of defeat. And then when we defeat it, what the first thing we do? Oh, why me, Lord? <laughs> and you know what God looking down back at us saying? Why not you? Did you consult with me before you stepped out there? Did you consult with me before you went after the things that you wanted? Hmm? So, they became complacent and lazy. They didn't even want to go. Talking about something, let us not labor or send them up to labor. The word of God says in 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10 that if a man don't work, neither should he eat, right? Well, see... That's what I tell my athletes all the time, when I, my players. Don't ever cry about wanting to taste from the table of success in life if you're not willing to put in the work. The only place that success becomes before work is in Webster Dictionary. you got to grind to be able to enjoy success. You understand? No matter what it is you're doing in life, you got to put the work in. Mm-hmm. Let's look what happened. Let's skip on down. Um, so they didn't want to work no more. And I got down here to know that because some of us, we overcome some small things in our life, some small demons. When I, when I say demons, I mean those small sins that pull us back out in the world. But let me tell you something. Don't take your small demons, your small foxes, lightly. Y'all understand that? What I'm trying to say is don't tempt your addiction, your sin, or your flesh. If you know God delivered you from certain things, why are you going back trying to pick it up? If you was a whoremonger or an adulterer or you was a fornicator, why are you back in places that's going to put those thoughts and ideas or watching on TV those things that's going to put those thoughts and ideas back in your mind? If you was on drugs or whatever and God delivered you from that, he delivered you from alcohol and drinking, why are you in spots that's going to bring forth that temptation? See, you're taking your enemy, your AI, you're taking that small force, that small fault, you're taking that small sin for granted. You understand? And it always gonna be them false, them false, excuse me, them small foxes 
that trips us up in life. Y'all with me? All right, let's skip on down to 75 real quick. Joshua 75. So Joshua did not consult with God. He sent the men. He, he followed what their plan was instead of seeking out God's plan. So they sent the little 3,000 men down there. And look what happened. <laughs> you sit there, you, you, you still using sports analogy. You're going to sit there and send a practice squad to go out and go against a, um, a, a team that's still a, a, a varsity level team or, or you know, NCAA Division One team. You're sending a um, JUCO to go play D1. That might not be a good story. You sit in a high school team to go play a D1 team. They still D1. They may be a sorry D1 or a small D1. They still D1. Your high school ain't ready for that. So let's see what happens to uh, Israel. 75. And the men of Ai smote them, 30 and 6 men. For they chased them before the gate, even to Shabarim, and smote them and going down. Wherefore, the hearts of the people melted. And became as water. Alright? So you sent your little crew in. And your crew wasn't ready. Alright? Their ego got the best of them. They got they, they tails in handed to them. Alright? Not only did they got their tails in handed to them, how many people perished in the battle? 36. 30 and 6. That's the number 36. Why is that number significant? 3 means the perfection and fullness of God. Alright? 6 represents flesh, the weakness of man. So when we become born again in God, everybody thinks salvation, that's the first step. You got 36 going on in your life continuously. And it's who, who's going to win the battle? Is flesh going to overtake the spirit or is the spirit in you going to overtake your flesh? That's the battle. God versus your flesh. The spirit of I am trying to take over versus your spirit of self, your AI, your ego. That's our battle. And it's played on this ball field called your mind. Continuously. Alright? <clears throat> so what was the name of the place that they were smitten? Because this is what God has to do to us. When we start operating in sin, and we think we're doing things that God don't know what we're doing, so you'll never escape the eyes of God. You may get away from the people around you, or the people you're responsible to, but you'll never get away from God. He sees everything. Look at the place where they went to. Shabarim. The place Shabarim in Hebrew means um, a breaking place, a place of chastisement or chastisement of God. Remember, our topic is from chastisement to hope. So when we start operating in those secret sins, those little foxes that we think, oh, I don't mean that. We start taking hits in our life, start facing defeats. Things start getting shaky in us. Things not going right as they was or as they planned. It's because God has gotten you down to a Shabbat, a breaking place, a place of chastisement. All right. Also, it said that their hearts melted and became as water. What did that mean? They just saw God deliver them in the wilderness. They just saw God kept his promise and destroyed the first city going into the promised land. They wasn't finished conquering the promised land. Their steps to the process of God getting you the way he wants you at. But you got to be willing to fight your battles one at a time and not, and not try to get ahead of yourself. You're not going to win a 12-game schedule in week one. One game at a time. One enemy at a time. One city at a time. One stronghold at a time. One small fox, one sin at a time. All right? So their hearts melted means... That now they begin to doubt God. They operated in flesh and self, but now they want to operate and think it's God's fault that they fall in the condition they're in. But really, they didn't seek God. Let's deal with this chastisement of God. So when you're in your Shabbat, your breaking place, let me show you why you're there. If you would um, go with me to um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. We're going to read 7 through 9 real quick. Why do God have to get his people? We ain't talking about sinners. We're talking about saints. And if everybody be truthful with himself and look in that mirror and point a finger at self, pull a thumb back to self instead of pointing a finger at somebody else, if everybody be real, you was here. You was Israel. 
You was at this place. But let me tell you why God bring you to this place called chastisement. What's the purpose of it? And it reads, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 through 9. And it reads, if you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For sons is he whom the father chastises not. But if you be without chastisement, whereof all, I mean all believers are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. So God basically is saying is, if you're my child and you're born again with my spirit dwelling in you, when your flesh get acting up and out of hand, I'm going to bring you to your Shabbat. I'm going to bring you to your breaking place. I'm going to bring you to your place of chastisement. I'm going to turn the heat up in your life. Now that heat ain't designed to destroy you. That heat is designed to correct you as a parent. The Bible says spoil the rod. I mean, spare the rod, spoil the child. Same thing in the spirit realm. Spirit realm. If you don't keep, as Dr. Manley said a few weeks ago, if you don't keep boundaries around yourself, then you're going to get outside of the boundary. And anytime you go outside of those boundaries, it causes what? Destruction. Destruction inside of here. And before you know it, your conscience becomes seared, and you're back out there doing the things that God had delivered you from doing. All right? And verse 9 says, um... Wherefore, ye have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave reverence. Shall we much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Ain't it better to be subjected unto God, who can both destroy your flesh and your spirit? That's where we need to be at. Let us keep, keep going. Let us keep going. Let's, let's go back to Joshua real quick. Go back to our main text. We're going to be at Joshua Chapter 7, verse 10. Joshua, Joshua, chapter 7, verse 10. So now, let me speed this thing up. So Israel did their thing. Joshua didn't understand at first why we, why, this, this AI. Why we lose AI? This little small team. They ain't won a game all year. How they beat us? Hmm? But then Joshua had to realize, you know what? Let me go back to where my source of my strength. So Joshua, he rent his clothes. You know, rent his clothes meaning that he was in extreme grief or emotional distress. He fell before the ark of the Lord. That means he prostrated himself on the ground, face down, and he went before the ark of the Lord, which means he went and got into the presence of God. All right? But watch what God said to him. Verse 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thus thou? Excuse me. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? I love that response God came back with. He told him, get thee up. Get up, man. Get up, woman. Why you sitting here laying on your face in your little pity party? You know what I mean? You didn't seek me. You didn't receive my instructions to go out here and battle this, this um, group of people. You took them for granted. You took that small fox for granted. And then... It told you off. Now you sitting here crying. You got your face in the ground. You having a little pity party. Get up. Everybody say get up. Yeah. Stop laying on your face. All right? Stop sitting here crying. And let's find out what the issue is. Verse 11. Israel has sinned. And they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and disassembled also, and they have put it even amongst their own stuff. What's going on here? First of all, they sinned and they took all their cursed thing. Then they went, they stole from God. How God broke it down. They stole from God. Then they put it amongst their own stuff. What does that mean they put it amongst their own stuff? See, before they fought AI, they stood in their own power and their own might. They forgot it was the hand of God that brought them through. They want to take credit and glory for the work God done. You understand? Sometimes we don't understand. Some of the biggest idols in our life is not your sports and entertainment people. Some of your biggest idols in your life is yourself. When you put yourself or your flesh in a place where God's supposed to be speaking into you, you have committed idolatry inside. Mm-hmm. So let me show you what God has to do to them. 
Go with me to Malachi. Familiar scripture. Because they took the accursed thing. They put it amongst their own. They took credit for God's work. That's where that I, me, and my syndrome come in at. It's about you. Let's go to Malachi 3 and 8. Because they stole from God. Let me show you what God says when a man steals from him. What happens to him? Malachi, we're going to be reading Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 9. And it reads, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Where have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. But watch what God say about them. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me even this whole nation. So anytime you rob of God, you take those things he bless you, and everybody thinks tithes is about money. No, tithes ain't about money. Remember, we said consecration is you giving your fullness over to God. Your consecration, not only is your money, it can be your time. Or how about that talent or that gift God gave you? Are you using that to build his kingdom up, to edify his people? Or are you taking it to build and use it for yourself? See, you're robbing God in. I gave you that gift, thus says the Lord, so that I can use it to build my people, to help build my kingdom. I didn't give it for you so you can sit here and profit it. I mean, yeah, your gift should make room for you. You understand? But also, are you giving any of that gift or that talent or that purpose in your life? Are you giving it to God? Any of it? Think about it. What are you using what he bless you with? All right? And I know a lot of preachers preach about the tithe and all that stuff, and you know, that's a whole conversation for another day. Because when you go back and you start reading Malachi 3, it was a rebuke to the Levites or the, Levi- the, the priests of that time because they stopped distributing the wealth of Israel. They start hoarding it for themselves. That's why the Bible said that's not a man rob God. But let us continue. I want to get off where we're at. So they're cursed. The whole nation is cursed, and they need reconciliation. They became disassembled. Um, Dr. Manley said two weeks ago, when, 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 when God assembled us together, that means everybody have a part to play in, into the whole picture of the body, right? So when they became dissembled, that means that they was all out of order. Uh-huh. They wasn't positioned like they supposed to do to make up a body. All right? So, and actually, what happened was Achan's sin became a stumbling block to the whole assembly. The whole assembly um, suffered. Have any of y'all sins or the way you walk outside of this place? It's easy to come to church once a week for an hour and look sanctified and holified, if you want to call that a word. But how are you living money through Saturday? You know what I'm saying? It's the only time you get on your face and prostrate yourself before God is when you come into a church. It's the only time you open up that basic instruction before leaving earth is when you come to a church. Hmm? Think about that. Is your sins, have your sins become a stumbling block to the people around you? Have your sin affected your family? Have your sin affected your friends? Have your sin affected those people that God put in your life that you're responsible for? Especially if you're a leader. Have that sin caused a stumbling block in others? Because you're held accountable. Yeah. Yeah, you held accountable. Ezekiel 3 and 17, I think it is. You held accountable. So disobedience and taking out the accursed thing led to Israel's demise. Sin will always place you into a breaking place with God. Because why? Because God desired from us obedience. You understand? Had Israel been obedient, had Achan been obedient, they would have won that victory. They wouldn't have lost 36 men. You understand? So what do we mean by obedience? I'm going to go real quick on First Samuel 5 and 22. 1 Samuel 5 and 22. I'm going to read this one real quick so I can get through this. And Samuel has said to the Lord, as great delight. Oh, and Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? The Bible says in uh, 1 Samuel, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hearken, hearken means not only listen, but followers, not only become a hearer, but a doer. So to hearken is better than a fat of rams. For rebellion 
is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, the refusal to obey God's will, is as iniquity and idolatry. Mm. Lord help us. Let's go back to our main text. Still dealing with Israel. Now we're finna get to the meat and potatoes of the matter. Because now Achan finna step up and take ownership. He decided he gonna pull a thumb back to self instead of pointing forward at somebody else. Alright? Let's go to um, Joshua 7 and 20. Joshua 7 and 20. And I love when I read this because in Joshua 7 and 20, it shows you how the building blocks of sin and how it gets you further and further away. You understand? Because sin always starts at a what? A conceived thought in the mind, right? And then it progresses itself to where you actually transgress. So let's look at Achan. Joshua 7 verse 20. And it reads, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord, God of Israel, and thus, and thus have I done. Watch what he done. Before we get to this, um, um, John, 1 John 2 and 16 says, for, for that all is in the world, these are the things that we got to watch out for. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The pride of life is when you try to operate and have success in life without God being with you. Absent success without God. It is not of the Father, but it is of the world. So watch what Achan done. Watch his confession. When I saw amongst the spoils a Babylonian garment and 200 shekels and a wedge of gold and 50 shekels of weight, then I coveted them. Remember, Achan represents the spirit of covetousness or covetedness. I coveted them. All right. And then I took them. And not only did I cover them, then I took them. Then behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver underneath it. So first thing, his sin started in his mind. He saw the money. He saw the Babylonian guard. That Babylonian guard, what church folk got going with us. We see the things of the world. Babylon represents the world. We see the things of the world. We want to partake and gravitate to that stuff instead of just staying what God has made provision for us. You see what I'm saying? We try to operate outside our lane. You can't have your foot in the world and then try to be about God. You can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and mammon. So you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in the church. You can't be a hypocrite in this walk. You got to be so totally sold out and surrendered to the will of God in your life. All right? So he saw those items. Then Saul means he lusted in his eyes. Then it said that he coveted. That's the lust of the flesh. And then it said that he took. You understand? Same thing happened. This story repeated itself several times. It happened to Saul. Saul lost the whole, his whole kingdom because he was disobedient to God. But it also happened to another um, people in the Bible. Happened to many of them. Let's go to Genesis real quick. Let's go to Genesis 3 and 6. Still talking about the progression of how sins, building blocks to sin in our life. Genesis 3 and 6. And it reads, And the woman saw, that's the lust of the eyes, right? That the tree was good for food and the tree to be desired. That's desire, lust of the flesh, right? <laughs> to make one wise. She took, took means she transgressed of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband that was with her. And then when you skip down to verse 10, once both of them sinned and um, they understood that they was naked, right? Because what does sin do in our lives? It always sends us into what? Hiding. We try to hide our sin. We try to cover it. For some of us, not only do we try to hide our sin, but the embarrassment and shame of that sin, sometimes it keeps us away from God. Keeps us away from the believers in God. We stop going to church because we're in a backslidden condition. Instead of fixing it, 
and getting it right and realize everybody in the church got issues. You know what I'm saying? So ain't nobody here to judge you. We here to try to comfort you and motivate you to go get that thing right. All right? So Eve like Akon, the reason why both of them, both of them became discontent with their status or the provisions God had for them in their lives. Eve wanted more knowledge, ungodly wisdom, what she was seeking after. Something different than what Adam and God gave her. All right? Akon didn't like the fact that God already promised them the land of milk and honey, but it didn't come to him fast enough. So he's going to sit there and covet and steal the things that God told him not to take. And both of them did what? Akon hid it in the ground. No benefit. You sinned. You took that stuff, but it profits you nothing. What does it profit for a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Nothing. Eve. Yeah, Eve, you had got some knowledge and some wisdom that you wasn't supposed to get. But what did it cost you? Everything. Sin and death came into the world because of it. You understand? First Timothy 6 and 10 reads, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some covet after it, covet it, aching, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Still reflecting on Achan. All right? And I always understand this. Numbers 32 and 23 says that be sure and understand that your sins will always find you out. I don't care what you try to do behind closed doors, you will never escape the eyesight of God. God going to know exactly what you did, when you did it, how you did it. You understand? And just like Akon, Akon was given a period where he could have confessed, look, man, Joshua, I did this. You know what I'm saying? But did he do it? No. God had to intervene and expose, expose his sin. And after the exposure came, then the confession came. People of God, understand something. Get whatever situations or issues you got in your life right. Don't wait till God has to expose you and put you to an open shame before you fix what's the issues going on in your life and get it right. You understand? Because exposure will come. Skip on down with me to Joshua 20, uh, 7 and 25. I'm about wrapping this thing up. About wrapping it up. 7 and 25. Because I want you to understand why I'm telling y'all I'm trying to encourage you to get this thing right with God. Because everybody in here got to answer for themselves. Ain't nobody going to answer for you at the day of judgment. That Your husband, your wife, your mother, love my mother, but she ain't going to be able to stand before God and plead my case. God got a book written on me, and that book shall be just like it got it on y'all. When we're done, them books are going to be open, and it's going to expose everything we've done. Get it right. Make sure your sins are covered under the blood. So watch what Akon did. We on um, Joshua 7. 25. We're actually going to read 25 and 26. We're still dealing with from chastisement to hope. So Achan and Joshua said, Why thou trouble us? And the Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all of Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they have stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones until this day. So the Lord turned from fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, that the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor until this day. The Valley of Achor. The Valley of Affliction. The Valley of Sorrow. The Valley of Trouble. That's what the memorial that was set up before Israel. So that everybody, when they see those stones, they'll understand not to break God's uh, covenant or his command. Not to touch the accursed thing. You understand? But I want you to understand something. Achan of sin cost many lives. You think that this judgment was harsh because he got stoned. All his family got stoned. Wife and kids got stoned. His possessions got burnt up in the fire. We think that's a harsh punishment, right? But it's not. Because his sin cost 33, uh, 36 people their lives. See, sometimes we think, well, it's just me that's doing this. It ain't going to affect nobody. But let me tell you something. God got people attached to your lives. They may be your family. They may be friends. They may be coworkers. But you got people in your life that's watching your walk. And when they see you backslide, they see you in a fallen condition. 
when they see you operating outside of um, the will of God in your life, sometimes it can become a stumbling block for them. Especially if you're in leadership. Especially if you're in leadership. And the thing is, why did um, Akon's family have to suffer? They ain't suffer because of the sins of their father. Because God's word speaks against that. But what happened is, in order for him to bring that stuff home and hide it in his tent, that means his wife and his kids concealed that information too. You understand? Just like in the state of South Carolina, the hands of one is the hands of all. When you sit there and try to cover somebody else's sin and somebody else's fault, and help them hide it. Then not only God gonna judge Akon, the one that's out of order, that judgment might fall on your head too. Why? Because you're supposed to be leading them back and correcting them through meekness. You understand? But you're sitting here pacifying and allowing them to do what they do behind closed doors. Your hands just as guilty. Your hands are just as dirty. Mm. But I want you to understand something. About this valley of Acor, this valley of affliction, sorrow, and trouble. God has the final say, right? So even though when we mess up in our lives and God gives us to a breaking place or a place of chastisement, and he put us in a place of Acor, let me show you how God has the final say. Go with me real quick to Hosea 2 and 5. I mean, excuse me, Hosea 2 and 15. Hosea 2 and 15. Title of my message was from chastisement to hope. We covered all the information about chastisement. Let's look at the hope of it. And it reads, I will give her vineyards, talking about Israel, from thence. And the valley of Achor, that valley of trouble, that valley of sorrow, that valley of affliction, for a what? Door of what? Hope. Say hope. I'm going to take the very same place that I'm chastising you, your breaking place, your memorial, your place of sorrow. I'm going to take that same place and I'm going to turn it into a valley of hope. That's what God's saying today to all of us. Even though I've been breaking you, even though I've been chastising you, even though I've been afflicting you because of your sin, that same place where I've been breaking you, if you will humble yourself, and come back to me and repent of your deeds, I turn that same breaking place into a door of hope. Everybody understand that? Because you got to understand something. We're living in perilous times, and the selfishness of man is to continue to wax stronger and stronger and stronger. That's why the world is getting more wicked and more out of control. That's why so many more calamities in the earth. That's why you got the rumors of wars and all this other stuff. You got man-made diseases like coronaviruses that's being spreaded. Diseases that they have patents on. Do y'all understand what a patent is? When you produce something or you a maker or something, you put a patent on it so nobody else can copy your plans. Why we got diseases that, that's out here that's becoming a pandemic that has patents on it? Explain that to me. Biogerm warfare, exactly. So what we got to do as God's people, we can't concern ourselves with what goes on in the world. Let the heathen rage. Let them war with each other. Let them kill themselves off. Let them do them. We got a blessed hope. And it's in Christ Jesus. You understand? We're covered under the shadow of the Almighty if we're walking upright with God. Same way God protected the Hebrews in Goshen. When Egypt was receiving their plagues, this earth is going to receive all types of plagues. But will you be like the ones that was in Goshen that has the blood on your doorstep, which is your heart, sealed by the Holy Ghost? You understand? That's your protection. While the world crumbles and falls, you're going to be protected. You're on a shadow of protection. But you got to get it right. And I'm closing with this last scripture. Go with me to Second Chronicles. 7 and 14. 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, and I'm wrapping this thing up. And I just thank God, man. I mean, the other night was awesome. I was sitting up here, had a conversation with my own son, but we was able to sit here and dialogue in the Word. You understand? It's major. 
Because see, sometimes we get so caught up in self, we don't understand. God positioned you, priest, husband, to be the leader in your house, to feed your family his word. Mother, you take that word and you feed it to your children. So that your children, that generation after you, are walking up in the right order with God. You understand? That's how this thing works. It's an umbrella. But I'm going to close with this scripture right here. How do we get back right with God? He broke us down. We're in our chastisement. We're in our breaking place. But God said, I can turn your place of sorrow and affliction. I can take that same place and turn it into a door of hope. And 2 Chronicles 7 and 14 says, If my people, God's people name is Israel, depending on what language you try to call it in, is Israel, Yisrael, Yashral, don't matter, because it's if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. So if you want your soul healed, your land, your body, your afflictions gone, humble yourself. Pray. Seek his face by reading his word, studying to show thyself approved, and turn about face to their wicked sins. You understand? Then you'll be able to hear, he'll be able to hear your prayers and forgive you. Why? Look at verse 15. Just a promise. Just a prophetic. Now mine eyes shall be open, and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. Why? For I have chosen and sanctified this house. This house. This house is you. This house even better. This house can be this congregation. This ministry. I have sanctified this house. That my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. That means continuously. Non-stop. Non-stop. That's how we get back right with God. We get rid of those small foxes. We stop trying to operate out of our own self-will and out of our own flesh and understand it was the power of God to get you to your breaking place. It was the power of God that delivered you. It's the power of God that's going to carry you through. Y'all understand that? Stop leaning to your own understanding and just, dude, follow the plan that God outlined in Second Chronicles 7 and 14. If we do that, Watch how God establishes going forward in the year 2020. While the rest of the world is going into their chaos, while the rest of the world is getting beat down because of what man is doing, God will position us in a protected place, on a cloud of protection. You ain't got to worry about the wall, um, the, the world affecting you because you're covered. Everybody understand? I hope y'all been blessed by this word. And remember, God said in your life, I can turn your place of affliction.